Welcome to Dr. Me First, a place where you have 100% permission to take care of yourself first. That's right. I'm your always sassy host, Dr. Freaking Erin Wiseman, colleague in medicine, coach in life. And I am talking with Dr. Tracy Asamoah today about identity. Yes, and we are here to give you permission to envision your ideal, perfect, super special, magical life and the pathway for claiming it. Because it's just not all pie in the sky. Like, we want to make this shit tangible. And so Tracy and I get into a conversation today so that hopefully you can walk away with some practical parts on really identifying what your ideal self is, or maybe your perfect life is another way of saying it, and getting away from the ought to's and the should be's and supposed to's. All right, well, join me in this conversation. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, my fellow coach, my fellow PCA member, all the things, Dr. Tracy Asamoah. Thank you. Hey, it's so good to have you here with me today. For all the people who haven't heard your prior conversation with me on Dr. Me First, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you're putting out into the world. Absolutely. Well, I am, I have decided to call it an identity coach. And so I coach women on understanding their purpose and those who feel stuck and feel like they've got a purpose out there, but they're not quite there yet. I help them sort through all the muck and find their way there. Um, so that's that's my coaching world. And my other world is child and adolescent psychiatrists. So I work with kids and adolescents on all, all sorts of emotional problems, behavioral problems, kind of anything that they and their families bring to my door. And I'm a writer. I write a combination of articles that are relevant to folks who are just trying to figure themselves out through coaching. I also do some writing for a couple of online platforms that are a little bit more relevant to mental health. And so just kind of whatever seems to be of relevance, I write about that. I love it so much. And I, if you don't care, let's get and talk a little bit about your journey because like the whole identity coach thing is relatively new that like you rubber stamped on it. So we go back several years. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how we found each other. It's probably through some sort of social media, I would say. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah. And anyway, we started hanging out. I think at that time you were finishing coaching training or in the midst of it. I was just actually probably just getting started with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got Physician Coaching Alliance started. Mm -hmm. And you're a regular tender, a super contributor to the group. And during that time, you you were really wrestling with coaching and how it was going to fit in, what it was going to look like, and kind of like non-committal at times. Talk a little bit about that space. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is the very thing that I've come to coach women on. I really didn't know who I wanted to be in coaching. And, and part of it was I didn't quite know who I wanted to be in medicine and all the different parts of my life. Should I stay in? Should I stay out? Am I going to write? Who am I going to write for? Where does coaching fit in? So I think it was coaching, but it was also everything else. 
And I had these ideas about the things that I liked, but I hadn't really sat down and narrowed down really what's important. What are my values? What are the things that ground me? What are the things that I'm passionate about? And how can I use that as a starting point for defining who I am? And so I've really spent the last couple of years of doing that kind of work, really figuring out, okay, so what do I really believe I have to offer? What really lights me on fire? My journey Getting to coaching started, I think it, if I look back, it probably started about six years ago when I was working with a nonprofit integrated healthcare system that was fairly toxic. It actually, for reasons that had nothing to do with why I left, ended up collapsing for a period of time. And I was in that environment and I, I hadn't reached burnout, but I, you know, I, I have an autoimmune disorder. I could feel the physical effects of my work on me and kind of realized this is not going to sustain. And so I left that position and really battled with, do I go into coaching? I had just really discovered coaching and was just starting to understand maybe what it was, but it wasn't as much of a presence in medicine. So I wasn't quite sure what to do with it at that time. So I ended up opening my private practice, feeling that medicine was really where I wanted to be still. But coaching was always underneath there. And I think I just really resonated with this idea of having a person that you can partner with, just help you uncover things, create awareness about yourself and to grow action plans around that. And so, gosh, maybe two years ago, I really got serious about coaching and started my coaching program. I actually just recently finished all of it, got certified, got kind of settled into it. But along the way, I've come to really understand that really, I really feel called to do is help women understand what their purpose is. Like, what is their true identity? What is their purpose? Why are they here on this earth? And what are they supposed to do? And I think a lot of people have a sense about what that is, but have no clue of how to get there or don't feel like they have permission to claim it or don't feel like they have the time to claim it. And so I really see my job is to sit there with you and say, hey, this is yours to grab. So we just need to figure out your pathway there. Um, So I call it identity coaching because it really is about drilling down to the core of who you are and understanding that and claiming that and then saying, I'm going to live in that space. I'm going to live in who that person is and I'm going to do it fully 100%. That's my ideal vision for myself. It's not what someone else said I should do. It's not necessarily what I was trained to do even. This is what I should be doing. This is what I should be doing from an internal place, not from somebody else's should, but this is where I want to be. Yeah, I think that's really important too is is really, really digging down to like, this is what I want when everything else is stripped away. Yeah. And it can be really scary, really scary. And I think that's, I know that's why I've avoided it at times because if I get to that place, then holy shit, like I'm going to have to make some pretty phenomenal changes. Yeah. And that can feel really scary because it also feels like I think people may have this idea that to do that, you have to do something big and dramatic. Like you have got to completely strip away your current self to get to this other self. And maybe the two won't align and maybe you'll worry, well, have I been wasting time or have I made a mistake? And really it's not that. It's really just sitting down and listening to kind of those inside voices tell you what you really should be doing, where you really should be going, and then taking a brave step forward. It doesn't have to be a big step. It can be a small step of just having an awareness about it. And maybe just saying that, you know, for me, one step in the path was knowing that I really do 
feel that writing needs to be a part of what I do. And even when I couldn't quite figure out where that was, I just started, you know, throwing pitches to different publications and submitting articles and seeing where they landed. And some did not land and I got surprised and some did. And, you know, finally got an opportunity to get paid to write. And so it's just doing those little small things that are staying honest to who you are. It doesn't always mean stripping away everything about your current self to get there. Sometimes it's just shifting perspective a little bit to understand yourself in a different way. So true. Yeah. Like when I say that, it's not all at one time. Yeah. You you do start to see. So full disclosure here, one of my things that I realize, like getting down to like who essentially I am and what I'm about is I no longer wanted to censor what I said. Mm. I didn't want to feel like I had to conform to say the nice things or to be the nice girl. Yeah. And I think that's where my potty mouth really started flourishing again. Cause I was like, I want to say what I want to say. Yeah. And that has been really liberating. And to be like, yeah, if I want to be a potty mouth, I can be a potty mouth. If I don't want to be, I don't, I don't have to be. But I think it was because for so long I was like, there would be things that would just come out of my mouth and I would be like, I don't believe that. But that's what I thought I needed to be saying in that personal interactions. And, and I think it honestly really started when I was a med student, you know, where you get coaching on how you should talk. And I let that permeate really deep. And it took me a while to root that out. And I think we can always kind of sense when we're out of alignment that way. So I'm going to get nerdy on you just for a minute. So I am studying these concepts and identity that look at the ideal self and kind of what's maybe the best way to think of it is the ought self, who you ought to be. So there's the self that you envision. If you could just plan, like one way that I get at it with some of my clients is to say, if you could just plan like five years from now, what your perfect day would look like. And it didn't have any dependence on money or what you should be doing, but it's just really what your perfect day would look like. What would that be? What would you be doing? Who would be in your life? Like, what would that look like? And then there is the odd self. Well, I should be because I went to college medical school and five years of residency and fellowship running a full time practice in psychiatry or working for a hospital or maybe even working on faculty because that's what all my attendings expected that I was going to do. Like these are all the things that I ought to be doing based on what my history is. And you learn that if you live in this place of fulfilling all of these external expectations or goals of what people think you ought to be doing, you at some point are going to feel out of alignment with who you are, unless those are things that are you know, completely aligned with what your ideal life is. And so I've gotten to the point where I realized that, again, it doesn't have to be these big steps. It wasn't like I threw away one life and jumped into another. But I did realize that there were certain aspects of myself that I need to make sure were part of what I was doing. I needed to make sure that writing was part of it. I've learned that I need to make sure working with people in the way that coaching allows me to work with people needed to be part of it. And that even if medicine is part of it, it can be part of it in a different way. The other thing I think that held me back for a while was thinking, but I took all this time and all this money and, you know, and I trained and I have this, I also have this level of expertise in an area that's sorely needed in our culture. Like people need psychiatrists and child psychiatrists. Like, how do I not do that? when that's a, you know, a skill set that I have. And 
I've learned that, you know, it wasn't as if I wasted all that time in training. That has absolutely informed who I am today and how I can show up for people. And it looks different than I thought it was when I got that first degree, but it doesn't mean that it was in vain. It, it hasn't gone to waste. It's not... It's not betraying what I thought I was supposed to do. It's becoming a different version of what I trained to, to become. Absolutely. It's reminding yourself it's not like either or. Yeah. Like really our true self is about this and this. Like you can be both. You can be all. You can be yeah. a writer and coach and doctor and mother and wife. And perhaps the measurements have to be different than what you first envisioned. I think that's what's really empowering for me is the and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about like when you're working with your people, like mm -hmm. getting down to the who you are. You mentioned the like ideal self, perfect life versus the like ought to should be doing. What are some other ways that you help people really identify like who they are amongst all the noise? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of what I do is really basic stuff. Like I start with all of my clients with having them do an assessment of what are your core values? Like, let's just narrow down what your values are. So you have a basis for understanding everything else that we're going to be doing. Because in my coaching, my goal is to hold a space where people can keep in their brains, their idealized selves, like that person who they would dream of becoming kind of that fantasy. If I could be exactly who I wanted to be, what would that be? So the idea is to hold that in the coaching space, but to kind of check in with, okay, as we're coaching, are your values showing up? You know, is what you're planning, is what you're acting resonating with what you said you wanted to be is, you know, are these things still true for you? And if they're not, do we need to look at that in a different way? Um, so some of it is really basic, just like, okay, here's, and actually I have an activity I do with people and I give them this huge list of all of these different values. And I have them progressively narrowed down to find their five core values. And at the end, they have this idea of, okay, these are the five things that are most important to me. And it's actually really hard to do because you really do have to make some choices about who you are. And so that's a starting place. And so sometimes it's just really doing very basic things like that. And then we can have conversations around that as we're going through and coaching on different topics. We have something very kind of foundational and grounding to check in with. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. I make my people do core values too, because like it was something I had no idea about. Yeah. That also too, that your core values can show up in different ways and that you can add core values. And, you know, I think that's a really, it is a great place. Talk about a little bit too how you help people kind of sort through all their stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it is the way I look at it in a very kind of abstract way is I picture, I, I'm a very visual person. Everything in my life is a picture. And so people, I picture people bringing this gift to our sessions, this box. And I don't know what's in the box. They have an idea probably better than I do of what's in the box, but they're a little afraid to look in there. And so we just unwrap it together and we unwrap it by me just asking questions and having them look at things from different angles and different perspectives. And maybe we shake the box a little bit and maybe we peel back the paper. But the whole goal is for us both to discover what's inside. It's not about me telling people this is what you should do. 
A, B, and C and check in with me and tell me how well you did on that. Like that is not my coaching at all. My coaching really is about asking questions to get people to look at things from different angles and to consider new ideas and hopefully just get some new insight about what they're thinking about. And then once we have that, say, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Like, no, really, what are you going to do about it? You know, I want to hear what what's going to happen when we get off the phone. What's the first thing you can do? And I kind of see my job is working with people is having them be able to leave our sessions with something in hand that they can do that feels manageable. Because before they came to do me, even if they had a sense of what ultimately they wanted to have happen, most of the time they don't have a bite-sized enough piece to work with. And so my goal in working with people is to get down to that bite-sized piece. And I'm like, look, this is what you get to do this week. Just worry about that. We know there's all this other stuff out there, but just do this and see where you get. And we'll worry about the next piece next time. And so a lot of the work is just helping people kind of strip away all of those things that cloud their vision, that distort their perspective of what they want to do so they can see that very manageable, tangible thing that they can work with. Right. And so after you get them the awareness of like who they are, what they want, and have them have the bite-sized pieces, Mm -hmm. tell me about the next thing of like really leaning in. Yeah. And so a lot of it is being able to have them articulate things that perhaps they hadn't felt comfortable thinking through before. I'm thinking of a specific client that I work with and a lot of the work that she's doing really is giving herself the permission. And I, and maybe that's part of what it is, giving herself the, per, the permission to consider that she can do things differently. And that maybe the life that she's currently in isn't necessarily bad or unhappy. She had been staying at home with her kids, even though she trained as a physician. She had taken some time off to not work clinically and just raise her young kids and got to the point where they were old enough to go to school spend some time with her mother-in-law, who was an amazing resource to help take care of the kids. And she started to wonder, wow, so I can do something different. And a lot of it was, as we talked about things, saying, yeah, you you can do something different. Like, it's it's okay. Like, go ahead and, you know, just talk about it. Let's just see what that looks like. Let's just see what that could be. And so some of it is just saying, you know, having, you know, part of having somebody verbalize what their idealized self is, is having them be able to see that it isn't just a dreamy type of amorphous thing that there's actually practical parts that they can do. And so for this particular client, when she realized that she did want to do something clinical, it was then saying, okay, so let's think of what all of those things could be. Is it teaching? Is it actually seeing patients? Is it working with residents? Is it working with medical students? Is it working? She had been working with an advisory board giving, you know, is it doing that sort of thing where you're advising, but not doing patient care? Let's explore all the things that you could do that would be clinical. So it really does become taking that vision and using that as kind of like a North star and then us sitting down and saying, okay, in a very realistic, practical way, what does that look like? 
Like really, if we, if we start looking at the details, what are those details? What do those look like? And I think that's the leaning in because it takes a certain amount of bravery to not just hold a vision, but to actually start sorting through the really practical hands-on things that you can do to actually say, oh, I think maybe I actually want to do some clinical work, but I haven't done it in a few years. I might need to find a practice that can supervise me until, you know, until I get whatever I need to get back into place to be an independent practicing physician. Okay, so who would that be? Okay, so I can call the university of so-and-so, or I have this, you know, this classmate that opened up a practice, you know, in the town, I can actually contact her because, you know, she said, if I was ever interested, I'd be, you know, she'd be open to having me join her practice. It's really saying, okay, and then what? Until they get to the point where they have a really concrete, actionable plan. It's a lot of continuing sometimes just to ask either and why, or what else? And then what? So that they can really start stretching their brains and getting really granular about what they want to do. So that's where the leaning is. The leaning in is also where I see my role is giving someone the confidence and the safety and the security to know that when they lean in, that they aren't going to crash or completely fall or fail in a way that they can't recover from, that we're going to lean in as much as you feel safe doing, and that will be enough. And then next time we can lean in a little bit more, and then that will be enough. And that we'll figure out what that point is. Like, we're not going to push you to a breaking point. You can do everything that you're setting out to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important point that you make about like taking your like perfect self, that dreamy pie in the sky and not leaving it there. Like so many self-help books I read and like some of the woo, I'm just like, okay, so where's the meat? Like I need to cut my teeth on something and really getting into that. I know when I was writing Dr. Me First several years ago, that was the hardest part. Like all the like digging in the personal development stuff. But when it was time to like do the, the like actual steps, that is when it's like, ooh, this can get a little bit rough right here. And so those practical parts, that's where that courage comes in. But that's also when you see that most traction. Yeah. I mean, that's where the movement is. Like, I think the idealized self, like who you want to be, I think is what gives you the drive and the motivation to do it. And it helps you sustain the changes that you make because it's this internally derived vision that you're growing towards. And those are the things that are going to help you change. But you do have to do those practical things. Like you have to have that path forward to take actions to get there. And I think that's where coaching really is valuable because I think lots of people can read self-help books and they can, you know, go to blogs and follow people on social media. I mean, you can find all of these ways to come up with this really dreamy, amazing image of what you want to do. And you can, even read, you know, the read the five top tips of doing A, B, and C, of getting enough sleep or getting over stress. But I think working with a coach, it really allows you to feel supported and to feel safe and to have someone help you be accountable to your actions and to help you move forward. That makes a difference. At least that's what I see my coaching as is, you know, holding the vision, 
but also kind of being right there step by step as you take those steps and you come up with that plan and making sure the plan is something that can be done. Like there's steps that make sense and there's steps that you can realistically do. So you're not set up for something that's going to fail or kind of fall on its face and you're feeling frustrated and defeated, you know, really things that you can do and you feel empowered behind because the more empowered you find, the more motivated and the more, I think the more persistent and perseverant you'll become through the process. I think it's a really good point because, you know, good coaching, if you get good coaching, you'll walk away with actionable steps, but great coaching, you're going to be elevated, empowered, and it's actually easier. And that's how I know when I'm, I'm doing a job for my clients is if I'm making things harder on them or it's harder on them, then we're not in the right area of coaching because actually that's, that's the core of coaching is like finding that place of what is synonymous, what is in sync, and then making the action there. Now, of course, there's always like the shit list where you like the got to do your taxes, got to take out the trash, you know, like, but I guess what I'm saying, though, is when it when it really comes to coaching is how you mentioned about like being there with your client and like holding them and stretching them far enough, but not over that is what great coaching is. That is the point. And it's really interesting. So I have um, somebody I'm working with right now and I don't really know what we're coaching about sometimes. <laughs> I leave our <laughs> sessions and God love her. I'm just yeah. like, I hope that was effective. Like, so we'll see, you know, when we get down with that and you never know, uh, cause there's always, you know, life is always happening in their world and I don't get to go home with them. But yeah, that's, that's where great coaching is, is it's, it's not somebody coming into the conversation and giving you, okay, here's the top 10 things that you need to do today to build your business. Yeah. Yeah. It's asking, okay, you're going to do that thing you said last time, then what? Because the journey is so different for everyone. Yeah. There's like the how to's and all the books and stuff, but like that's, that is following a checklist. That's being on a protocol. That's like staying in the lines, the lines of your friends. And that's not true exploration. And again, I I look at my coaching as I am not bringing anything to the table that's going to necessarily give you an answer about what you're trying to do. The people I coach, they they have all the wisdom behind it. They have all the answers. It's just a matter of untangling it, uncovering it. I took a course in embodied awareness, another discussion for another time, but one term that she use that I loved is unsurfacing the invisibles. Like, I'm like, that's what coaching is. It's unsurfacing the invisibles, meaning they're down there, but that person hasn't been able to access them. And the coach helps them bring that to surface into awareness. I'm like, that's what I consider great coaching. And however that happens, you know, and, and sometimes I'm, very similar to you. I am coaching someone. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Like you seem to be talking through something and getting some things figured out. And I feel like I'm just kind of, I'm really in the passenger seat here. I, I, I think you're getting something out of it. You sound like you're getting something out of it. I, I think something's being made clear for you, but I don't know if I could pinpoint what that is. And I think that's where some serious invisibles are coming to the surface. Like stuff is just kind of bubbling forth to to work with. You have a much better name. I always call that word vomit. (laughs) I think I'll have to start using unsurfacing the invisibles because I'm like, 
Oh, we're going through a whole bunch of word vomit right here. We need some Zofran. I think the word vomit is great. That maybe I avoid that one because I don't like that vis- that visual. <laughs> I, 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 this is why this is why my husband is an ER doc and I am I'm a psychiatrist. I'm like exactly. I don't like that visual. I don't. I'm gonna stick with. Let's just surface the invisibles. That that feels softer. <laughs> I love it. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for your friendship and everything that you bring to it. I'm so excited to support you as a coaching colleague. And I just love having these conversations with you. You always bring up so many cool topics. And now I'm like, oh, I got to go look that up because it's so interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, like I said, and I just hope that your audience really does figure out what they need to lean into. I know for me, even on my coaching journey, it's been understanding that coaching for me is engaging and connecting with people directly. It's also writing. And so I've been writing blogs on my website. I'm starting a newsletter. Like I'm like, this is, this is what coaching is to me. This is what I'm leaning into. It doesn't look like a lot of other people's journey, but that's, I think what it's supposed to be. Mm, again, it's going back to the aim. Yeah, yeah. Not just one thing. Like it's, I always describe myself as like a very eclectic quilt. And I, I think if more people can think in that, like you're made up of pieces yeah. and parts that have a central theme, it's, you don't, you aren't black or white. You're all one thing or another. It's important. See, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that one. I like that. Because everyone it, that makes every quilt unique and beautiful. Yeah, I love that. But I love being on your show. I love our conversations. It's always been great just being on Physicians Coaching Alliance with all of those wonderful coaches. It's just, it's, it's been great to grow, grow through it with everyone. Want to see what it's like to hang out in a group with me? To catch me live? in person, and around all the other amazing women who listen to this podcast, well, I want to invite you to our monthly free, totally free, masterclass that happens the last Sunday of every single month at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's right. So much fun, so much collective goodness all in one place. We're still doing the Be Happy Now series, and so I break down a topic each month that will help propel you into living a life where you can be freaking happy now. So if interested, jump on the website, burntouttobadass.com and sign up for this next month's masterclass. I can't wait to see you there. Super fun, right? Thanks, Dr. Tracy Asamoah for coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit about the work that you're doing. So are you ready for your kick of encouragement? Well, I am going to give you some of my most favorite tools. And if you've been following me for half a second, you know that the wheel of life is my jam. (laughs) We're going to put a link in the show note for the wheel of life. If you haven't seen it, I usually put it on Instagram. I don't know, every so often. And essentially what it is, is it is the different domains of life kind of cut into a pie shape and you fill in with the middle being how satisfied zero to 10 you are in each quadrant of life. 
And what I look at that and why I think it pertains to this episode today talking about identity is it really helps you focus in on what are the things that are important to you and how satisfied, how fulfilled are you feeling in those? Because all of those different domains are a different area, a different need that we all really have. And so many times when people look at the wheel of life and they're like, fun, what, what fun is on this? Like that's an actual need. And I shake my head like, yeah, actually it is. So I'm going to give that to you. And I want to encourage you, if you've done it in the past, do it again. It's time for a refresher. It's time to get a new set of vitals on yourself to see how you're doing in life, where you're feeling satisfied, where you're not feeling satisfied, um, and see where your areas of improvement are. So Dr. Osamoa mentioned in there about core values as well. And I think this is super important to understand what is pivotal and what you feel like the beliefs, the thoughts, the systems for which you operate are on. And let me tell you about a couple of those. Um, This author specifically calls them basic needs, but I think they can also mirror as core values. So again, these are pretty similar to the wheel of life where life has 10, like I said, 12 basic needs. Um, It has 12. And it's kind of loosely based off of Maslow's pyramid of human needs. Remember that from psychology class? Um, But anyway, okay, let me share with you. So the 12 basic needs, modernized version, one, family kinship, two, health and well-being, three, home shelter, four, economic security, five, work career, six, learning, seven, spirituality, eight, environmental safety, nine, transportation mobility, 10, community, 11, social relationships, and 12, leisure. Again, very much mirrors the wheel of life. But I I really want to put in there that so many times we only think of basic human needs as like food, clothing, shelter, lights, water, air. But there are so many more that aren't luxury items. Like all humans need this list. And so many times we neglect that as if we don't have needs ourselves. It's just not true. And I think a lot of times when burnout comes up, when a lot of big, strong emotions are coming up, is because of unmet needs. And so if we look at emotions in that way, then it makes sense when you're frustrated because you're not getting what you need or that you want to that you're angry and want to fight against everything in the system. It's because you're not getting what you need. Or it's because you're hopeless and just want to give it all up. It's because you're not getting what you need. So I encourage you, reflecting in on identity, I think one of the most essential parts is really getting clear about what are my needs, how are they being met, and how are they not being met? And what can I do to bridge that gap? All right, friends. Well, it's so great talking with you today. As always, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
Let's 